Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Ask the Coach Show, episode 43. This is where you ask your table tennis questions and we answer them. Welcome again. I'm Jeff Plum from pingskills.com, and with me, as always, is Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Morning, Jeff. How are you this morning? I'm really good, thanks. Um, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, good weekend. We got together and uh, and had a bit of a bit of our Christmas Christmas feast, didn't we, Jeff? We did indeed. A bit of a ping skills dinner. It was excellent. Yeah. And yes. uh, had a very very rainy weekend here in Melbourne. Yeah, it was crazy. It's meant to be summer, and yesterday I put the fire on alloys. That's how cold it was. <laughs> it was. Yes. Well, back on Friday, if we can remember back that far, we actually asked, um, when should clubs start using the plastic ball? What are your thoughts around this one? Yeah, I think um, probably the best thing to do at this stage is that if you if you have players that are playing um, competitively outside of the club, think about whatever level they're playing at. So and it will probably be your the top level of your competition, so your A grade or your section one, I would introduce the plastic balls almost straight away for those because because they need to play between your club level and your state or regional level and, and national level. Um, for the for the um, lower sections or the lower divisions, maybe you can hold off uh, using the plastic ball for now. Um, my main reason there is just the cost of them at this stage. I mean, if you if your club's uh, happy to um, make the expense and make the changeover, then maybe it's uh, it's okay to do do it for all the grades straight away. But but certainly, I would do it for your top grade, or especially for the players that are playing um, outside of your club level, um, almost straight away. Yeah, it's interesting, Alois, because there's been quite a bit of discussion about the cost of the balls. It seems that the New plastic balls are more expensive than the old balls, which is not great. And it seems like yeah. they don't really have um, good training balls just yet either. Yeah, I think that's the main factor. So they've, they've got the three-star plus balls or whatever it is, um, which aren't all that much more expensive than the previous the celluloid balls, but there isn't the opportunity to just practice in bulk with the the plastic ball, so yeah, so I think it does make a little bit of a difference. Yeah, okay, so that's not great. And then, um, I, I guess, oh, well, we can discuss two things at once. There's the Junior World Championships on at the moment, Alois, but you noticed that a few balls were getting broken there, maybe more than we would previously expect. Yeah, so yeah, the, the championships finished, uh, well, last night our time, um, but... Yeah, it was very noticeable that during matches that balls were breaking um, much, much more than they would with a celluloid ball. So usually with a celluloid ball, the the ball would last for the whole match 95% of the time and probably even more. Um, and you'd very rarely have to change the ball because it's it broke. Whereas uh, I noticed at the World Championships there were quite a few occasions where the ball would break once or more than once during a match. Um, I mean, the, the, the speed that some of those guys are hitting the ball, it's no wonder, but, uh, yeah, certainly breaking more than the plastic, the uh, celluloid balls would. 
Yeah, okay. And so we may as well talk about some of the results, some uh, interesting results. China seemingly dominant again. Yeah, they were. So China were dominant. Um, so in the both the boys and the girls' singles, um, China filled six of the eight places. So that is really dominant, isn't it? I mean, they... Six of the places in the quarterfinals, was it? Yeah, six places in each quarterfinal. So, wow. Uh, yeah, so six out of the eight. So... Um, although in the boys' singles, um, uh, Yuto Muramatsu, uh, Japanese guy, made the final. Beautiful chopper, beautiful defender. Um, defeated two of the Chinese players along the way uh, in the quarters and the semis to, to get there. But uh, in the final, um, Yuzi Yang uh, was the winner. Chinese guy, left-hander sensational forehand topspin. Didn't see a lot more because he was playing the defender, um, but a beautiful forehand topspin against defence um, and winning that four games to, uh, to to nil. Yeah, four games to nil. There um, you go. So, interestingly, a chopper making the final. So, is that to do with the new plastic balls or are we just seeing a resurgence of choppers? It seems like Jap Japan is starting to produce some really high-quality choppers. Yeah, it does seem so, doesn't it? There's, there are there's definitely a few more choppers on the scene, and I think it even happened before the plastic ball. Um, and I think also at the junior level, it's prob probably um, more likely that they're going to have a bit of success because perhaps a lot of the um, the players haven't developed the power and also the reading of the the spin to uh, to overcome the choppers. But, yeah, let's see. It'd be nice to see some more choppers out there. It was, it was a magnificent final, even though it was you know, reasonably um, comfortable in the end to, the, to uh, Yuzi Yang. Um, the, the chopper made the game really entertaining. It's beautiful to watch. Excellent. Okay, all right. That moves us on to the Ping Skillers question for today, which is how many counter hits can you do in a row? So leave your comments uh, and let us know. All right, Alois. Our first uh, question from a ping skiller is from Les, who says, after watching your demonstration of how to execute pure backspin on serving by contacting the ball underneath with a completely flat level bat, please advise how you impart enough forward momentum to get the ball up the table and over the net. Okay, good. So, Les, so what you what you are trying to do is you're you are getting the bat really flat, but the momentum of the bat going forward will mean that the ball will go forward. So the ball is going to grip on the on the grippy rubber and move forward. So it'll be a little bit like this. So watch here. So here and forward. I don't know whether you can see that. I might just stand up. So with that, with that, the ball is gripping on the rubber and going forward. I'll do it again. So the ball, the bat is staying really flat, and you can even tilt the bat backwards a little bit, and the ball is still heading in a forward direction because of the forward momentum of the bat. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that um, helps you a little bit with. With that, um, I noticed you also put a put a um, comment in the question um, that you were a bit confused at how that how that happens. Um, yeah, it's the it's the forward momentum of the bat. So this coming forward, 
and then gripping the ball and sending it forward that way. Yeah, that's interesting, Alice. So it does seem like it's that grip. So if you were using something like an anti-spin, it probably wouldn't get as much forward momentum because it wouldn't be gripping into the rubber. That's right, yeah. So an anti-spin or even just an old bat or one of the really cheap um, cheap and nasty um, starter bats um, that hasn't got any grip. So when you do that, okay, the ball wouldn't grip and it would almost just go straight up or it, might, it wouldn't go forward enough. You'd have to turn your bat forward that way to get your forward momentum. So, But as long as you've got a good grippy, grippy bat, you can have the bat back like that, even back back like that, to get you to get um, ball to grip and go forward. Yeah, excellent. And that just watching you do that reminds me of a good exercise that people can do, which is just kind of serve that ball onto the floor and just try and get it to spin back to them. And that gives you good feedback about how much spin you're getting on the ball. So if you can get underneath it, get it to go onto the floor and spin back to you, you know you're getting a lot of backspin. All right. Good question, Les. Hopefully that helps you out. Now, the next question is from Ben. And Ben asks, I am a penhold player and I play at my local high schools. It's a table tennis club there. I have difficulty doing a backhand when people hit it hard and fast. And also, when they hit in the middle, how do I have a strong backhand while playing penhold grip? Yeah. So, one of the advantages of the penhold grip is that you don't have a middle or a crossover point because for the normal general backhand, you're, do, you're using the same side as for your forehand. So if they're playing fast to you, firstly, just use your normal grip. Don't try and use the reverse. If they're playing fast for blocking, this is effective. Then if you are starting to think about using the reverse grip, then that, that's where you need to start to be able to turn the bat over and utilize um, the other side of your racket. That's something that you just have to practice a lot. Um, one, of the, one of the key things is just making sure you're getting your bat around enough. So often um, when players start to do the reverse backhand, their bat is facing that way when they're actually hitting the ball and the ball either doesn't hit cleanly or it tends to go out to the, uh, the side of the, the, the table. So, so really try to turn your bat around so you're getting a nice flat contact of the bat on the ball and and sending it forward with some top spin. So, okay. uh, yep, good advice there. Um, try out some of those tips, Ben, and let us know if it um, if it helps you out. All right, Alois, Jace has a question for us now, and Jace says, "I'm not sure if you guys have a video of it, but I was wondering what the rules are when it comes to accidentally hitting the ball with the finger or the racket handle." The ball goes over the net and hits the other side of the table, so all's good there, but what are the rules when that happens? Yeah, so, um, and Jace actually, in his question, uh, which we couldn't fit in there, um, sent us a link to a, an old match between a very young Zhu Zin playing Timo Boll, and in that match, Zhu Zin, uh, he's a lefty, um, returns, returns the ball, and it does seem to hit his handle and bat on the way back and Timo just sort of you know questions the fact that I think uh, Zuzin ended up getting the point. Now that match was from 
a while ago where the rule was that if you hit the ball with both your racket and your fingers, that was a double hit. So really, Timo should have got that point. And, I, and it looks like he doesn't uh, get awarded the point in that match. But now they've changed that rule and a lot because of controversy like that. So now as long as you unintentionally hit it twice, so if it happens to um, hit your bat and your fingers or if you're playing shake hand, you know, often it comes off the finger and the bat there. If it's unintentional, basically one swing, then it's still okay. So you are allowed to do that now. And I think it's a great rule because it just stops at controversy and the the um, the honest players like Timo Boll who would always um, give up the point if, if it happened to hit his finger and his bat um, and a double hit in those days, then he'd always give up the point. And he was he was basically um, disadvantaged for his honesty. So so now um, I think the rule's better. Um, if it's one swing unintentional, hits the finger and the bat, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like this rule. Really simplifies things and makes it easy for everyone. If the ball comes back onto your side, it's play on. So thank you for the question, uh, Jace, um, and hopefully that clears it up for you. All right, next question is from Mark, who says, I'm having a hard time with my forehand loops. It seems that I am able to loop it because it is a long ball, but when I hit it, I feel very awkward because it feels like the ball's too close to the table for me to do a proper forehand loop. Any tips? Yeah, so that, that, that ball that's really close to the end of the table is tricky to, to play sometimes. So the main thing is letting the ball come off the end of the table. So if the table's here, make sure the ball comes off the end of the table and then just play more of a vertical stroke, really brushing up on the ball there. Um, because the table's in the way, it's hard to go too, too much forward and generate enough speed to get the ball up and over the net. So let it drop and lift it up and over the net with a more vertical stroke. Um, the other the other point was about you know just feeling comfortable and feeling balanced. It's really important to stay low for your stroke. Stay nice and low with your legs bent, and st try and stay stable during your stroke as well. If you can do that, then you can then you'll start to feel a little bit more consistent with your stroke. Um, you know, if, if you if you are if you are feeling comfortable sometimes, that's great. That means that you're starting to um, to learn the feeling of the stroke. When you do hit it and it feels comfortable, think, okay, how did that feel? Um, this is how it felt. I'm going to try and replicate that again. Or I'm going to see if, if I can do that one again. Um, it's a lot of it's a lot of practice still. Um, like anything, just repeat, repeat, repeat. Try and play the stroke often and see how you go. Um, and eventually you'll find that comfortable spot um, to mm. play your forehand loops. Yeah, great tips there about uh, learning and remembering the one that feels good and getting that in your mind. I like that, Alice. Now, um, just one other tip I've got for that. I remember back in the juniors, I think it was my first Australian Nationals, and I was playing for the ACT then against Victoria, and I think you might have actually been coaching. You probably don't remember, Alice, against me. Um, but there was a short ball. I thought it was coming long. I went for a big forehand topspin, 
and I hit the end of the table with my fingers and cut them open. There was blood everywhere. We had to get cloth out and wipe it all up, and I had little scars on there for ages. So make sure the ball actually is long is my first tip when trying to loop that ball. <laughs> that, that, that is a good tip. Jeff, I do remember it. I reckon it was on table 18 or table 19 at the yeah. old Albert Park Table Tennis Stadium. That is correct. <laughs> Indeed. Well, there you go. That's the biggest tip for the uh, show. Um, I think that will help everybody out a lot and save a lot of pain. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, that wraps up episode 43. Head to pingskills.com. Check out our website. Lots of great table tennis resources there. And have a great Monday. Thank you, Alloys. Okay, thanks, Jeff. Steve, Ping Skillers.